Welcome to No Ideas Original Sports. I'm Kenyatta. I'm here with Reem, and we're here with Jeffrey Sosa from G League TV. Welcome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, man, anytime, anytime, man. I mean, it's one of the things that's great, man, is that listen, the G League is really rising up to prominence, and you see a lot of it this year. Like, really, really a lot of it this year. Yeah, this year, you know, it's funny because I started following the G League back in around 2015. And that's when I started going to games and really getting kind of like obsessed with the league. And I remember going to games back, you know, six, seven years ago. And, you know, you could go to a game during a weekday and there may be 50 people there, you know. Um, and that's probably including wives, girlfriends, moms, dads, you know what I'm saying? And you could really just, you know, it was sometimes less than 100 people. So it was amazing to see how it's grown from the moment I started following it to now. Uh, for me, I guess that's a, a perfect segue to another question is what made you like, what, where did that initial interest come from? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was in high school, I actually worked for my first job ever was interning for a minor league basketball team, you know, and so it was just a local team in Maryland and I was 16 years old. And, you know, when you're 16, you want to be around basketball, you'll take any job you can get. And so it was a great opportunity for me. And it kind of got me interested in like this smaller brand of basketball, you know? And and so from there, I went to work for uh, my university team and we're a small D1 team over at UMBC. And so I've always loved like the underappreciated group of hoopers. And so I think that's kind of what stemmed my love for, for the G League, you know, seeing these guys who probably didn't get the shots they deserved in high school and college. And they don't really have too much of a name in terms of on the pro scene, right? And so um, when I created G League TV, my whole goal was trying to get these guys recognition because there's so many great hoopers out there. It's just that they don't have necessarily the platform for their names to be elevated like they do in the NBA. So you created G League TV. How did that transition to actually working with the G League? How did that come about? Yeah, so I created G League TV in March 2020. So it was the end of March 2020. And so we're approaching almost two years right now. And so uh, I started really just doing it for fun. And I don't necessarily know how the algorithm for IG works, but it took me maybe a month and a half, two months to even get the first 1,000 followers, you know? And so in the beginning, I was just posting these videos and the players themselves would share. But a lot of times the players would share the videos, but they wouldn't even follow the page, you know? And so, <laughs> and so like, it was kind of slow. And then I would say once the G League bubble started last year was when it really started taking off. And I was spending like so much time basically every night, you know, making these highlight tapes. And last year I had more time. So I was making probably like 10 to 12 per day, you know, and posting oh, wow. those. I would just spend all night, you know, I had no life essentially, right? So all, every <laughs> night I would just make these videos and then post them the next day and stuff like that. And I kind of became just obsessed with making more and more and more. And then um, around September, 2021, so maybe, you know, five months ago or so, actually the G League reached out and they were like, you know, we have a position that we'd like you to, you know, if you're interested, we'd like to bring you on, but it was only for three months, right? So they were basically like, I did have a regular job at the time. And so they were like, you know, it's only three months. And I was thinking about it. I was like, it's worth the shot. You know, even if it doesn't last forever, you know, three months is better than no months. And so I can get my feet wet and meet people in the G League. And so after my three months was over, they extended me and they brought me on basically like in a full-time role. And so now I'm working with the G League and I'm um, one of the co-hosts of the G League show. And yeah, while still doing, you know, G League TV stuff as well. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like um, like you kind of alluded to, I guess, the grind of the players in the G League is what attracted you to it. It sounds like you went through your own grind yeah. to, you know, to elevate your, yourself. For sure, for sure. And you know, like I was telling you guys earlier, you know, I, I love just small brands of basketball, whether it's minor league when I was in high school, you know, working for the UMBC team, I worked for the men's team and the women's team. And, oh, nice. you know, on the men's side, we get more fans on the women's side. I mean, same thing with those early G League games back in 2015, there might be 50 people there, you know? And so it's been like definitely a grind over the past five years or so, just kind of taking any basketball opportunity I can get. Uh, most of them, I would say, were unpaid or very little pay, you know, but that's part of just like the process of moving up and trying to find your own alley. So 
How would you say that from the time, like you said, in 2015 to now, the G League's really changed? Like, what do you think's changed between now and then? Yeah, I think the credibility. So the one thing that I always say is, you know, what gives the G League credibility is that these guys go from the G League and they ball out in the NBA. You know, it would mean nothing if these guys were averaging close to 30 points in the G League and then going to the NBA and putting up three, right? So because they would basically say, these guys, it doesn't translate over, right? You average 30 in the G League and three in the NBA, that means these guys can't really play at the NBA level. But what's given the G League credibility is that these guys have balled out in the G and gone to the NBA and made a mark for themselves there. I mean, you know, just, I remember watching Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam back in 2017 when they were playing for the Raptors 905, right? And at the time, Fred Van Vliet was averaging like three points a game in the NBA. He was a rookie, he was barely playing. And then he would go over to the 905 and get like 25 a night, right? And so, you know, we have a lot of players like that where, you know, they're early in their career, they're not ready yet for the NBA. You know, he was playing behind Kyle Lowry, right? You know, he's an all-star, he's yeah. gonna be a Hall of Famer one day. And so, you know, these guys, they go to the NBA, they ball out, and so it leads people to believe, like, and it's true, like these guys can play at the NBA level. Um, they don't even have to be stars, you know? Some of the guys in the G League who have been most successful at the NBA have been guys who have been rotational guys, right? And they can fill in and fill a void for an NBA team like Armani Brooks last year with the Vipers, you know? He wasn't a star. The star on that team was Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. But what Armani would do is he'd spot up from basically anywhere. They haven't run off of two or three screens. He would just knock down open threes, right? And so a skill like that is translatable to the NBA level. So he went from doing that with the Vipers and then when he joined the Houston Rockets, he was asking like 12 points a game, doing exactly what he did in the G League. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of these guys this year, when they get called up, they hit the ground running. Like, they don't get called up now to be like, I remember initially guys would get called up and like you said, it would be like, to be like bench filler. Right. They call a guy up, he'd be the 12th man and he'd just be there if somebody got hurt and they needed a body. But now, from what I see, when guys get called up, a lot of these guys get called up to be in the rotation. Exactly. Yeah, they're yeah. going up to play right away. And, you know, the great thing about these 10 days, and this year was a prime example because there have been over 100 players called up from the G yeah. League this year, you know? And so you know, most of them didn't get a second contract, right? But what they were able to use it as is, you know, even if they only averaged five points during that span, yeah. it shows like, hey, you know, I can come off the bench and in 10 minutes I can get you five, six, seven points, right? And mm -hmm. so it's an audition for them to use it for another NBA team or another opportunity in the future. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're totally right in the sense where like these guys are not coming up to the NBA just to warm the bench, right? And to wave a towel, right? They're going to the NBA and to actually have a role to make a difference. And a lot of times these teams are not on, you know, the best pass, right? So a lot of these teams are, are rebuilding or they're not in playoff yeah. contention, right? But like I was telling you, you know, before, you know, they use these 10 days or maybe they get consecutive 10 days or a two-way. And if they play half decent, you know, next season, it gives them credibility for another contract. Yeah. Now, what is your take on on uh, like the the G, um, the Ignite team? What is your take on that? Yeah, you know, I like the Ignite team. The thing is that working with the G League, the G League itself, everyone's obsessed with Ignite, you know, and and rightfully so. You know, it's kind of their baby. It's their it's their first team and their um, well, the second year, but it's the first team they developed as like kind of their own, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, to tell you the truth, I think it's too early to determine whether or not it's better to go the Ignite route or go the college route, you know? I, it's too early to tell because I would say that last year, you know, Jalen Green was with Ignite. He ends up going number two overall. Kaminga was with Ignite. He went number seven overall. But these guys would have gone top 10 anyways, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. They could have played at UMBC. They could have played at the local community <laughs> college and somehow they would have ended up in the top 10, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to really tell like if Ignite has elevated their status is to the point where it's helped them in the draft or it's helped them become a better player in the future, you know? Um, of course, the guys, you know, based on everything that I hear from the guys, they love it, right? So, you know, one thing that people misunderstand is that Ignite is not just a group of, you know, 12 or 13 young prospects. It's a mixture of these young prospects and also the veteran players, too. Like, you guys know Amir Johnson? Yeah, yeah. Amir Johnson played, you know, 10-plus years in the NBA. He's 34 years old now. And now he's playing with Ignite. He played with Ignite last year. Jared Jack was with Ignite too. So you have a bunch of like NBA guys who have been around the block, who have played not only the NBA, but overseas and a mixture of G League too. They've played 10 plus years. 
So they're teaching these guys the ropes of being a professional, which is something they would not get if they were playing at the college level, you know? And so, and certainly the money doesn't doesn't hurt either, right? They're, they're all getting paid around $500,000 a year. So it's like, you know, I couldn't imagine being 18, 19 years old and having 500K, right? So it's like being that age and having that money, um, it's life-changing for them. So yeah, it's hard to tell in terms of like what it does for them in terms of basketball, but in terms of like the lifestyle and what it provides them off the court as well, I think Ignite is certainly beneficial. Yeah. One one question, and you brought up like the vets like Amir and Jared Jack. So again, like the, the G League is, you know, you got the high school guys, you got the um, the guys like the, the young players. And now you see, seem to see like a lot of like older veterans coming in and trying to, you know, get in the G League as a use it as a way to, to show that they still have the ability and stuff. Um, what do you think of that? Like, you know, guys like um, Isaiah Thomas, for instance, coming right. back from the G League and stuff like that. A couple of guys been on about like Nick Stauskas this week and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm a fan of it. It's a, it's a, you know, tell you the truth, it's a little bit of a mixed bag because I love the notoriety they bring to the G League. You know, Isaiah Thomas, I mean, those four games that he was on that streak where he was putting up 40 a game, everyone was tuned in for that, right? Yeah. Um, when Lance Stevenson was with the gold, Everyone yeah. was tuned in to see Lance. You know, he was playing out of his mind. And so I love the attention that it brings. And, you know, these guys are hungry for a shot. And they're taking the G League seriously. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, if this was back, and I remember when Nate Robinson played for the Delaware 87ers back in 2016, right? And he was kind of in the same situation Isaiah's in, or, um, you know, maybe like a Knicks guy. Well, I guess he's not as accomplished as Nate Robinson is. But, you know, he was a guy who was a veteran, was trying to make it back to the NBA. Um, and people thought of him joining the G League back when it was the D League as kind of a joke, right? They looked at it as, you know, your career is over, you're on your yeah, last leg, nothing left. Now you're going to the G League, right? It's basically where you go to like have your career finish essentially, right? And now it's viewed differently. Whereas, you know, they think of it as a legitimate route for these veterans to take in order to get back to the league. But I do love it in the sense where it brings a lot of attention. The only part that I don't like sometimes is that you know, Isaiah Thomas, when he was playing for the gold, they have two guards on the gold who I'm a big fan of. They have Trayvon Duvall from Duke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh -huh, and then Quade Green, who was over at Kentucky. And so, you know, both those guys are McDonald's All-Americans. Yeah, those guys are great. Both those guys this year have been playing really well. And so that was the one part that I didn't like seeing was that Isaiah comes in, right? Automatically, Isaiah's going to play 35, 40 yeah. minutes a game, right? He's going to get every single shot that he wants. He has the greenest light in the G League. Suddenly, these two guards who have been playing really, really well, and I think are on the verge of getting called up, have no role on the team now, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, they go from playing 30 minutes a game to playing like 10, right? And so, and when they are in the game, they weren't getting any touches, right? And so their stat lines are probably like four points a game or whatever. So that's the only negative side. When you see these veteran comes in, these high profile guys, same thing with Gerald Green. You know, Gerald Green came on the Vipers and, you know, Gerald Green has been playing two, three years, right? Yeah. And then he just hops on the Vipers, Two days later, he's playing 35 minutes a game, right? So that means that another guy who does not have the NBA experience but is looking for maybe their first or second shot is headed to the bench because of it. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That's a good point. I would just, you know, on a side note, I was fortunate to get to see Trayvon Duvall and Quade Green both playing high school. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were beasts. Yeah, beasts. yeah. Now, uh, the G League uh, expanded to Mexico? Is that is that Yeah, right? Mexico City, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's yeah. All, that's one thing I like about the G League is they always um like they're they do a lot of things that's groundbreaking, right? Where a lot of the different rule changes and stuff start there. They're kind of like tested there for the NBA. So I, I I like that they're very forward thinking, you know. For sure. I think that's also going back to the point you guys made earlier was, you know, what has caused the G League to expand the way that it has? And I think that's the inventiveness to a degree, you know? Um, you know, you really have got to think outside the box to come up with some of the rules. Like, you know, they have the one free throw rule now, where it's, it's one free throw. If you get fouled on the three-point line, it's one free throw for, oh, I'm sorry, one free throw for three points. And if you get fouled on the two-point, you know, somewhere in the two-point area, it's one free throw for two points, right? And so it, it does speed the game up, and, and it makes you have to rely on your free throw shooters and have them be a little bit more reliable than usual because it's like, if you miss this, you miss three points, essentially, right? If you miss this, you miss two points, right? Um, not only that, but we were the first league to have the coaches review, the coaches replay, you know? So they brought that to the NBA. And then one thing that I would love to see, and you guys probably 
know about it too from watching the all-star games and stuff like that is them bringing the elon mending to the yeah. g league you know where the thing i love about the elon mending and as i used to work for you guys are you guys familiar with tbt yeah 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 okay. So I used to we work for TBT and I used to intern them for them for a few years. Then I had my own team in TBT. Oh. I was the GM of my own team for two years. And we actually um, made it both years and competed, but we lost. And so it was a good experience though. <laughs> but the thing I love about the Elon Bending is that every game, there's a hero, right? Oh, yeah. And it's a way to certainly measure like clutch stats and stuff like that and who likes the ball during those during those instances. But yeah, every game, regardless of the score, there's a hero because there's someone who makes the final shot to hit the target score to win the game, right? And so one thing that I always say about the WNBA, why in a way, there's multiple factors, but why I sometimes think the WNBA is not successful is because they took the NBA game, did nothing to change it, right? And said, we're gonna take the same game, same rules, but a lesser brand of basketball. You know what I mean? And yeah. we're gonna, you know, and so we're gonna give you the same, the same rules and same everything, same game, lesser brand of basketball, and we're gonna like not force you to watch it, but you know, it's they kind of like sort of guilt you into not watch into watching WNBA <laughs> sometimes. But one thing about the uh, the G League that what they should continue doing is like to switch up the game, right? Because they make it a little bit different than the NBA. So you're not seeing the same exact thing if you transfer over from the G League to the NBA to the WNBA, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense. Another thing that I like is that there seems to be a lot of times consistency between um, the NBA teams and, and the G League affiliates in terms of the systems they run and stuff like that. So the guys are getting a pro level, you know, education, so to speak, even while in the for sure for sure yeah that's the biggest thing is that the plays and the sets that they're running in the g league are the ones that they're running at the nba level right and so when they do get called up or they do you know even if it's on a 10-day contract they're already yeah, prepared yeah, you know yeah. there, there's there's certainly a learning curve if you're going to go up to the next level but at least they're ready to play and they know some of the rotations and stuff like that know some of the sets so that helps them so much now a lot of times too a team, a player will get called up by a team that's not affiliated with their G League team, right? So in that sense, there's certainly a, a transition. But for the ones like if you know you're playing for the Sky Force and get called up by the Heat, I'm sure that some of the sets they're running in Sioux Falls are the same ones Spolstra's running in Miami. Yeah. Now, I want to go back to your original um, grind and getting started. What was it like traveling to all these different cities just to be able to watch the games? Uh, the G League games. Yeah, like you when know, you first got started, because yeah. I always hear how, you know, a lot of these gyms are in random sort of locations. Oh, very <laughs> much so, very much so. You know, I would say, like, back in the day, um, when I first started watching the G League, I would basically go, like, anywhere to watch games, you know? And games were super cheap. I mean, you could get tickets for, like, $7. And there's no security at games, or there's very little security at games. So it's not like an NBA game where if you're in the wrong seat, the usher will come down or something like that and be like, hey, you're supposed to be here, show me your ticket, right? It's not the same way with the G League. When I would go to G League games, it's the same way now, where you can basically sit wherever you want, right? Um, if, you know, I was at a Blue Coats game the other day, and, um, you know, now I get free tickets, but back then I didn't get free tickets. <laughs> You know, but basically, like, no one will even ask me for my ticket. I'll just basically plop a seat anywhere, right? And just be like, oh, you know, this is my view for the game. And no one will stop me or, or whatever. And the thing I loved about the G League back then, too, was, you know, you could basically go up to the locker room, wait right outside the locker room, and wait for players to come out, oh, right? Wow. And talk to them. Wow. And, you know, if you're a kid, you can get an autograph or something like that. And, you know, as someone that loved basketball, but growing up was never around any professional players and... I, I did see NBA games, but I was always sitting at the very top, you know, being able to talk to guys who are not in necessarily in the NBA right now, but they might be um, former NBA guys or guys who are on the verge of getting called up was a really cool experience, you know? So yeah, basically I would go around and, and travel for games and stuff like that. I didn't go like too far. Basically, like if it was within, you know, three, four or five hour drive, I would make the drive, you know, and I would go with some friends too, but that's basically how the love started. and. You know, I think the access to the players um, is what kind of drew me to it because, like I was telling you, you know, Nate, when he played for the Delaware 87ers, I would see Nate, I would go to the games, and 
Um, I actually never took a picture with Nate. He was a little bit, a uh, little more standoffish than some of the other players, right? But, you know, I, I would basically go to the games, and then after the game, you could see the players coming out of the locker room. You could talk to them a little bit, or, you know, like I said, if you could get their autograph. And so that's what drew me to it initially. Well, one of the things, like, what, you, what you're talking about, like how you could move around and just like that, um, it seems like, like you said, it's kind of like family-friendly and a little Very more much so. or, what uh, what do you think would be some of the takeaways that probably the NBA could take away from you know from the G League as far as that friendliness and that stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, you know that's a great question because I, I certainly understand why there's a level of the level of security there is at the NBA games, right? You know these players are getting paid millions, the arenas are filled, whereas in the G League, you know they're not even close sometimes, no, right? And the G League they definitely cater to kids. Right, so they want they want mom and dad to bring the ten year old, and hopefully they get a T shirt or a hot dog, and you know that's why the tickets are so cheap. So um, to tell you the truth, I don't really know if the the G League, I'm sorry, the NBA can take that much from the G League because just the the overall environment is so different in terms of the size of the arena, the amount of people that are there. Um, you know, they used to do it. I don't know if they do it now, but the G League teams used to every weekend game they would have. Um, after the game, they'd have an autograph session with the team. So basically on the court, they would bring out these long tables. All the players would sit there and there'd be a long line. You basically could just go from player to player and get their autographs, you know. But at the NBA level, you couldn't do that because there's just so many fans, right? And, you know, we're yeah. talking about really there might be a line of like 100 people. Whereas if there was an opportunity at an NBA game, we're talking about like 10,000 people that are in line trying to get this these autographs. So it's really hard for them to do that just because of the size differences. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. And you, listen, in your travels, has there any ever been a player that you've seen in the G League that you like, wait a minute, I don't even know why this guy's in the G League. Where oh, for sure. I mean, last year it was Kevin Porter Jr., you know, okay. watching KPJ in the bubble, and he was putting up, you know, 25, 7, and 7 every night. And it, it looked so effortless, you know? Like, I think that's the biggest thing is that there's a lot of guys in the G League that can put up 25 points, right? But yeah. Kevin Porter Jr., when he was doing it for the Vipers, looked like he was doing it, like, with a smile on his face, right? I mean, <laughs> just just barely breaking a sweat, and it didn't look like anybody out there could even guard him. I don't even know, like, like Kevin Porter Jr. was so good in the bubble last year that I was like, I wonder what his warm-up is like. You know, does he just, like, you know, hop out of the locker room right before game time and just put on his sneakers and play, right? Or is he, because he just looks so effortless. <laughs> We're seeing it a little bit this year with the Rockets. He's a little bit up up and down a little bit, you know, but uh, he's starting to find his groove. But he was the one where I was like, you know, there's no reason why this guy should be here. Even this year, you know, looking at some of the veterans, looking at Lance Stevenson, right? I was like, yeah. how is Lance in the G League? You know, there's there nobody, <laughs> no team out of the 30 in the league that could use him right now, you know? Regardless yeah. of the role, I was I just couldn't believe that he was here because he was another guy that made it look just so effortless. And so um, I would say, you know, going back a few years, even Pascal Siakam, right? When Pascal Siakam was with the Raptors on a five and he led them to the championship. I mean, he was a guy that was a walking 25 and 10 every single night and did it on such great efficiency. And, you know, you could just tell that he was on a different level than some of these other guys, even though he wasn't putting up those numbers in the NBA at the time. Yeah. Do you, do you ever think, I mean, that, that I'm sure there probably is, and without getting into names, do you ever think there's some players that go there that actually think that they're going to do better than what they actually do initially? For sure, for sure. And I think <laughs> everybody who goes to the G League, regardless of whether they're, you know, they're the first player um, on the team or they're the 12th, 13th man off the bench, yeah. every player who goes to the G League thinks they're getting called up. And the reason why I know that is because, you know, through my G League TV page and then also from working in the G League now, I talk to a ton of players all the time. And so, you know, even guys that, there's a ton of really, really good guys in the G League, yeah. right? Who are good players, but have no shot at getting called up. But if you were to ask them, you know, they're like, I just need one opportunity to, to show myself, showcase my talent <laughs> and stuff like that. And, you know, there's certainly a bit of delusion that goes into being a good athlete, you know? Gotcha. Um, I think there's a bit of delusion that goes into being good at anything, right? If you're a businessman, yeah. you know, you think that your product is the best in the market, you know what I mean? Um, you think that your entrepreneurship skills are better than anybody else's, right? And so it's the same thing with athletes. You know, these guys have been stars in high school, you know, middle school, high school, college, and even sometimes in international leagues as well. And they go to the G League 
and they can't necessarily accept the fact that they might not be as good as they think they are, right? And so, um, but yeah, I mean, granted, this year, I'm just so happy, like I said before, because uh, over 100 guys got to live out their NBA dreams, right? Usually we get maybe in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, right? Um, Year in and year out. But 100 plus, and, you know, the season's not even over, not even close, right? So I'm just happy for these guys because whether it was 10 days or 20 days or whatever the case is, 100 plus guys got to call themselves NBA players who probably would never have gotten that opportunity in in any other season but the COVID season. And these guys, these guys, like you said, will get uh, invitations to summer league, call-ups to camps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's not over for these guys. You know, if they get the 10-day, it didn't work out. If, I would say that 99% of the guys who got 10 days this year, right, um, are going to be in summer league in yeah. some capacity. And, and, and a lot of them will end up making training camp rosters, right? Now, they'll make the training camp rosters, and maybe half of them will be back in the G League next year, right? But it's certainly – because, you know, getting the training camp – deal puts $50,000 extra in their pockets, right? And so when they're making $37,000 a year in the G League, you know, them getting the extra 50K from signing the Exhibit 10 deals, which are the training camp deals, is a huge benefit for them them financially. And so yeah, you know, a lot of them will be in Summer League, a lot of them will get training camp deals, a lot of them will be back in the G League next year, but I would say, like, you know, for all these young players, you know, you kind of need to put two, three years in the G League, right? To get your shot and to earn your name. And a lot of guys play one year, it doesn't work out, and they go overseas. I think that's pulling the trigger way too early. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it seems like, you know, you get you get guys who – and then a lot of them seem like – from what I'm seeing, it looks like to me that the G League right now is a better path for a lot of guys than probably the overseas route. It is. You know, you're, you're so close to the NBA, right? Every day you're getting watched by NBA scouts. They're going to your games. You know what I mean? And that's not only from your, the team you're on, but that's the opposing teams. That's even teams from across the league, right? Um, you know, for example, I was in in Vegas about two months ago for uh, the OKC Blue Ignite game, you know, and all the scouts were there to see the Ignite players, right? But if you're on the OKC Blue and you ball out, you know, over the course of those two, three days, then, hey, you know, I they came to see you know, the Ignite guys, but they left with a good impression of some of the guys on the OKC Blue, right? So, you know, you're always being watched by these NBA scouts, whereas sometimes overseas, you know, you fall into a bit of a trap where you think that, oh, I'm getting better money and stuff like that. But you also remember, like, on some of these international teams, they might play the um, domestic player, I'm sorry, the um, the hometown player. So, like, if you're playing in, like, Germany or something like that, or you're playing in, in China, right, they might play one of their own before they play the American yeah. Right, Absolutely. and so they're all you're also only allowed, you know, two or three import three players roster, yeah. per, per team, right? And so it could make for a weird situation where you know no one on the team speaks English, right? You <laughs> might you might have like one or two guys you can connect with, you know. Um, an example of that is you know, this guy Lamar Peters, he was in the G League a couple oh, years yeah, ago, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and Lamar had the sickest handle. I mean, this guy had the ball in a yo yo, and he was amazing to watch. He was putting up almost 20 a game for the Westchester Knicks, and I looked at him and I was like, this guy, he didn't get caught up this year, but this guy is like, a, you know, another season away from earning himself a two-way deal or a 10-day. And for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, it's probably money, but for whatever reason, he went overseas and it's been two years since I've heard from him, you know? I'm sure he's doing well overseas, but yeah. they kind of fall off the face of the map if you're not playing over here in the States where we can see you. Yeah. One yeah. of the guys who, uh, for me, comes to mind where I said, why is this guy there, um, was Antonio Blakeney. I remember when oh, he, yeah. He, yeah. he was kind of lighting everybody up. Yeah, for sure. And actually, Blakeney was another name of a guy who I was like, yeah, I don't know if he should be here, you know? Yeah. But Blakeney, it's hard because, you know, he, so Antonio Blakeney has the G League record for highest points per game total in a season. His rookie oh, year, wow. he averaged almost 32 points a game. You know, for a rookie, 32 a game over the course of an entire season is crazy. But I don't always, you know, I looked at Blake and I was like, okay, he's a great scorer, right? But sometimes it shows that he doesn't really do anything else that well. You know what I mean? I think that was his Achilles heel was that he's he's a great volume scorer, but he's not a knockdown shooter. He's He's a streaky shooter, right? And then, you know, defense, he never put 
probably everything he had into being a great defender. And also, he's a guard without much playmaking skills, right? So, yeah. you know, Blakeney, I was watching him in the G League. I was like, okay, if it was just a one-on-one isolation battle, I got Antonio nine times out of ten, right? Yeah. If it's a team game and, you know, it's required to, you know, move the ball around and you're supposed to, you know, kind of like Armani Books was saying before where he has a specialized skill set, right? Sometimes I think that Antonio lacked that, which is the reason why he didn't necessarily pan out with the Bulls. You know, you know how I get that feeling from too when you see guys like Jimmer for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like what's it? I mean, they can score a ton, but it's almost like, what else can you do? And you know, for sure. You at, know. at this level, you probably see people that can. Everybody or most of those guys can score. Yes, all of them can score. And <laughs> yeah. one thing about Jimmer was that you know they always said, "Hey, Jimmer can score with anybody, right?" Yeah. But he couldn't guard NBA point guards, NBA shooting guards, right? Um, you know, he went to the G League and had a good year, right? He had a good year. He was averaging over 20. He was an all-star. He won all-star MVP. Yeah. He had trouble guarding the G League guards, you know? Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Even Isaiah Thomas, I was looking at Isaiah Thomas these past four games. And, you know, one time they played the Windy City Bulls, right? And Isaiah, that game, I think he had 46. But on the other side of the ball, he was guarding Devon Dotson. And Devon Dotson oh, yeah. had like 35, right? So it was like, yeah, you know, you put up these huge numbers. But on the other end, it was like he was sleepwalking yeah. out there, right? And now everybody only looked at 46 points, right? No one yeah. cares. I mean, that's what makes the highlights, right? And so when you're looking at Isaiah, you're like, okay, what's his point totals? And the thing is that a lot of times you can't measure what they do defensively in the box score, right? Yeah. Uh, even if you only had two, like, they could look at it and say, oh, he had two steals. Oh, he played good defense that day. But eh, I don't know. You know, it depends on how he got those steals. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was the biggest thing where I was like, yeah, Jimmer, dang, he can score with anybody. I mean, he looked, he made it look so effortless. Um, but, yeah, he just couldn't, he didn't really make an impact on the other side of the ball. And I look at Isaiah and I was like, yeah, Isaiah, what they say about him is true. But what they say about him offensively is also still true, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he can he can get some points, but he, he might give up as much as he gets. So. Exactly, and so you know he gave up almost thirty five or so to Devon Dotson. I was like, yeah, you know Devon Dotson's a good player, but yeah. he shouldn't be getting thirty five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are there any particular teams in the in the G League where you just love watching that particular team or teams play? Yeah, you know, I would say every year my favorite team in the G League changes because every year the rosters change so much, you know? So no no year is, is the same from the previous one in the sense where like, you know, they could have a really good core one year and then all those guys are in the NBA, right? Or maybe some of them went overseas or some of them are just on different G League teams, you know? So it changes every year. Like last year, it was the Vipers, right? So last year in the bubble, it was the Vipers. And then second was the Blue Coats probably. This year, I would say my favorite is South Bay, right? So. You know, South Bay, like they have Mac McClung. You know, yeah. they have a guy named Karis Bass, who was the two-time Puerto Rican scoring champion. He's like the KD of the G League. I know there's no one like KD, but, you know, he's 6'10". He can score off the dribble on anybody. He can pull up from 30. Um, they had this guy named Cam Oliver, if you guys know him. He's yeah, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, his nickname is Space Cam. He just dunks on everybody. And yeah. he actually just, this is what I was saying, where, you know, depending on how much they're offering you to go overseas, Cam Oliver was a guy who... Got a 10-day this year with the, the Atlanta right? Hawks. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then was playing really well in the G League and for whatever reason has decided to go overseas. So he's overseas right now. He didn't finish the G League season. And I was like, you know, Cam is probably on the cusp of getting another 10-day. I wouldn't be surprised if he got called up again. But, you know, I guess the money overseas was too big for him to um, yeah. turn down. And so, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's South Bay this year. And then next year is going to be somebody else, just depending on, you know, who's on which roster. Yeah. What's, what's interesting is some of the guys, some of the guys I was him I get to see, you know, in the G League is pretty cool because I've actually seen them play in high school, and I know like the AAU coaches and different stuff like um, like um Terry Larrier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris McCullough when he was there and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. that's right, that's right. Yeah, you know Terry Larrier had this year had a forty point game, and the thing is that he's on he's on the herd, and the herd have a really really deep backcourt. Right, yeah. so he doesn't necessarily get the touches that I think that he would deserve if he was on a team that wasn't so stacked, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you said Chris McCullough too, right? Yeah. Yeah, Chris McCullough, dude. I thought Chris McCullough was going to be a really good piece, kind of like, you know, one of the Morris twins or something like that. He's a very yeah. similar game, and he's a lot more athletic than those two are. But you know, he can face up, he can shoot the jumper, 
um, around like 6'10 or so, but he never really panned out in the league. And I think now he's playing in like South Korea. Or yeah, something he was like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, but yeah, he was a guy that played really well in the G League. He was an all star. I uh, just never panned out for him. I wonder why. But he's a guy that's also still young. He's probably like 26, 27 years old. Yeah. So I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if maybe he gives the G League another chance and can, and can get called up that way. Yeah. Being a New York Knicks fan myself, I watched um, a few games of my uh, Westchester Knicks where Miles McBride, a guy. Oh, who, yeah. Yeah. Miles McBride, yeah, he's been going off. And he's another guy, you know, he's similar to what Fred did, Fred Van Vliet did his rookie year, right? Where he's not getting any run in the NBA, right? If you looked at just his NBA stats, you'd think that, oh, he's a disappointment, right? But he's going to the G League and putting up like 25 and 10 every night. And I think that the assist number and the playmaking ability that he's shown with the Westchester Knicks has been the most impressive thing, right? Because we already knew that he could kind of uh, kind of score really well. And, um, but he's a guy that, you know, like he's not getting enough playing time right now in the NBA, but, you know, give it two, three years, he could be a guy that is in the rotation and then eventually becomes, you know, a 12, 13, 14, 15 per game player in the NBA by year four or so. Yeah. Hey, I got a, I got a funny question. Tell me about the pitchers, the, the drawings. Oh, you know, so, <laughs> so actually, so now, cause I'm now I'm working outside um, of New Jersey now from the NBA office. And so this is actually, but I'm in Maryland um, for the time being just, um, you know, just like visiting a little bit and stuff like okay. that. And so, uh, but these pictures are just from like my childhood bedroom, you know, okay. like growing up, I had, you know, just this obsession with the NBA and, and still do, you know, still do. I'm of course like the G league is number one, but I still follow the NBA really closely too. And you know, all these guys are like, I would just get like these books and it was it, so it was like the Sports Illustrated, um, like NBA. This is like the NBA book or whatever. And I just cut out all the pictures in it, you know. And so basically, like it's just all the best, you know, all my favorite players growing up. There's Kobe. There's like Steve Nash. Um, <laughs> then there's the, you know before my era. There's like uh, Julia Serving and Moses Malone. You know what I mean? So it's just all the stars from like all the eras of basketball. And I just made it into a collage essentially. But, you know, in terms of, like, some of even the autographs back there, like, um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if you guys can see him, but I've got, like, Julius Irving back oh, there. Nice. I've got Dennis Rodman, Magic Johnson. So, you know, like, when I was a kid growing up, that was, like, my, those were my Christmas gifts. You know what I mean? Like, I would, like, all my family would pitch in and they'd give me, like, a Magic Johnson ball or something like that, you know? Nice. Nice. So... Looking at the looking at the G League, which they they seem to have they follow the structure of the NBA. I think Sharif Abdul Rahim is the commissioner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you think like what's him like they um do you see it as like a job in training or something? I guess for all these guys that have these roles in there, like a commissioner. The, oh, for sure, like, for sure. Yeah. The thing about the G League is that you know they just look people mostly look at it from like a player perspective, right? as these players are using the G League in order to elevate themselves to the NBA, right? Well, that's everybody in the G League, you know? That's, um, you know, the coaches, that's the training staff, that's the executive staff, all the general managers of all the teams, you know? I, I think if you ask the general managers of all the teams, like, where do you see yourself in five years? All of them would say on an executive staff in the NBA, you know? Um, and that goes for all the people behind the scenes too, you know, like all the people who run like, you know, the, all the social media people, all the um, videographers, yeah. you know, all the marketing people, all of them are like, okay, I'm using the G League to get my feet wet, to build my own credibility base essentially, and then use that to eventually get to the NBA. And probably the same could be said for the refs too, right? Absolutely. You know, I, okay, so just the other day when I was at the Blue Coats game, there was a ref there and I was like, this ref looks so familiar, right? It was a, it was a woman. And I was like, where have I seen her before? I just know I've seen her before, but I, I didn't register in my head. And the, as the game was going on, I was I kept paying attention. I was like, I know I've seen that lady before or talked to her in yeah. some aspect, right? Then I realized that she, her name is Ashley, I forgot her last name, but her name is Ashley and she was the ref that laughed at Luka Doncic last year. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone was like, oh, she was flirting with Luka or Luka was yeah. flirting with her or something like that. I was like, that's her. That's her. I was like, that's the, the lady that went in those viral, you know, 
um, uh, that viral clip last year that got millions of views, you know? And it was all over social media. That was, that was her. She's in the G League. And so what I what I realized, like, even with the refs over the past few years is that I'll see them on TV and I'll be like, I saw them at a G League game earlier this year, you know? Yeah. And it's the referee. And so, yeah, all these guys are using the same platform to get to the league, too. I will say this, though. You know, at the G League level, they don't complain like they do at the NBA level, right? <laughs> I mean, I sit courtside at a ton of G League. I can hear everything that they say. And they, I mean, granted, you are going to get players cussing every once in a while. I would say I've never heard from 2015 to now, never heard anything blatantly disrespectful to a ref at the G League level. And I would say, like, you know, just like any player in any game, they're like, where's the foul, right? But nothing that's been out of bounds. And so I would say, like, you know, when there's a transition level, right, that I was talking about with the players, there's certainly one even with the referees, right? Like at the NBA level, I feel like those guys, given the situation, could be ruthless, right, and what they say to them and how they treat them and stuff like that. Sometimes I feel bad for the referees. I'm like, and you know, you basically get paid to be verbally abused, right, regardless of <laughs> regardless of the call, whether it's a good call or not, someone's going to be mad about it. So, but yeah, that was the story, and that's the same thing with the referees. They're trying to use this platform to get to the NBA as well. So who would you say are some of the biggest personalities in the G League? In terms of the players? Yeah. Ooh, in terms of the players, dang, that's really tough because, you know, in the G League, they don't, we don't necessarily focus on, like, player personalities that much. Yeah. Um, now, there's players that I do know that are really good guys and really funny guys, you know, yeah. and great guys to talk to. Another One is uh, Devin Candy, who was um, the finals MVP last year for Lakeland Magic. And then another one who's he's a great guy, super funny, is his name is Raphael Putney. He was um, he's the G League's all time leader in blocks. But the reason why the G League doesn't really showcase player personalities is because we're always so unsure as to how long they're going to be in the G League, gotcha. you know? Um, and so I, I know just from working in the G League this year, there have been plenty of like pieces of content, whether they're like documentary pieces or little short stories of guys like playing in the G League. And then the next week they get called up to the NBA and all of a sudden you can't use that anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. You can't yeah. use that piece anymore because they're in the league and it doesn't necessarily apply. Right. So, yeah, that's the thing is that we don't really focus as much on the player personality. It's more just on their games, whereas in the NBA, you know, that's what makes the NBA so exciting to an extent is that these guys do have a voice and a platform to be unique. Yeah. One thing you mentioned about uh, just now is like longevity in the G League. And I remember there was this one guy, I think he was playing for like the Lakers um, affiliate team and he yeah. was there, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's Andre Ingram. And yeah, honestly, yeah. Andre Ingram is my favorite all-time G League player. He's actually the GOAT, right? And I got to meet him in Vegas back in December and it was just it was like meeting Michael Jordan for me right for a guy who's obsessed with the G League right yeah. who's followed the G League as closely as anybody since around 2015 meeting this guy for the first time he was super nice he's also the president of the Players Association of the G League right so he's not only um, one of the best players to ever play but he's also in an executive role too in terms of you know um, on the players union right but yeah, Andre Ingram, he played 10 years in the G League. And up until then, the max contract was like $27,000 a year that you could earn in the G League. So for 10 years or so, he made no more than 27,000 in a G League season, right? He gets called up in year 10 by the Lakers and it was completely unexpected. Even when I was falling, I was like, yeah, I don't know if Andre would ever get called up. And I wasn't expecting him to get called up by the Lakers because he had a good season, but it wasn't a great year, right? Yeah. Um, and then he ends up going off that first game for like 18 points or whatever it was it was 20 points you know yeah um and so he became that night the most famous man in basketball that night right just for that night and his story is even more amazing because number one like i said he didn't make that much money in the g league and then number two in order to make more money he was tutoring and and um as a as a math he was a math tutor yeah yeah years, yeah so, you know, this guy's a math tutor and he's making $27,000 a year and he's doing this because, you know, he has a family and he needs to earn some extra side money, right? Um, and then, event, you know, a couple years later, he's playing in the NBA. Even though it didn't last that long, it was still a great story and it brought a lot of notoriety because now 
you know, before that, people didn't even know Andre Ingram's name, even though he was in the G League for 10 years, even though he had won two three-point contests and he's the G League's all-time leader in three-pointers made. They didn't really know his name, but because of that short stint he had with the Lakers, anybody who remotely follows the G League even a little bit, right, knows that name, Andre Ingram. Yeah. Yeah, that was that. Was yeah, prior to that, I, I hadn't heard of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like, you know, everybody dreams of a situation like that. Not necessarily playing ten years in the G League, right? But every, but a guy like Andre Ingram, he said multiple times. I saw interviews, I read articles where he was like, throughout his ten years in the G League, his family, friends, they had all pressured him to maybe do something else, right? Whether that's go overseas and make more money, whether that's hanging it up and starting a regular professional career. But he was like, I could not give up on the dream of making the NBA, right? And year in and year out, he was like, I just want one chance. One one chance to achieve my biggest dream ever. And so, you know, for a guy like him, even though it didn't last forever, right? Even though it only lasted one 10-day stint and then the next year he got another 10-day stint. It's still something he'll tell his kids about and they'll tell their kids about for the rest of their family generation. Yeah. And two guys I, I was thinking about as you was talking, um, who not necessarily the same story as Andre Ingram, but kind of went into the G League and then uh, made, I guess, a huge story out of it was one is Jeremy Lin, right? Once he finally yeah. got his shot with the with the Knicks, you know, that obviously became the whole Lin Sanity thing was a huge deal. And right. then another, another guy who played for the Westchester Knicks who kind of, I think the G League revived his career was um, Trey Burks as well. Yeah, dude. Oh, that's a great point. When Trey Burke was with the Westchester Knicks, he was getting like 25 a game. He was the Allen Iverson of the G League, you know? The braids, right? I mean, the guy has one of the best handles in the NBA, even right now, even though he doesn't really play that much. He's been injured, right? But um, he, he was just so fun to watch that year. He gets called up by the Knicks and averages like 12 points a game, you know? And just, yeah. it's crazy because just a few years before, he was the eighth pick in the draft, right? And so yeah. it's hard to believe sometimes when I look at these guys where, you know, even, you know, Chris Dunn, he's in the G League now, right? So Chris yeah. Dunn's in the G League now. It was just, what, 2015 that this guy was like the fourth overall pick? You know, it's yeah. so crazy to see these guys who had so much potential in the world. And whether it's, you know, not the right fit on a certain team, whether it's a bad coach, whether it's, you know, attitude issues or maybe injuries or whatever the case may be, it doesn't pan out for them in the NBA and they go to the G League. And you're right, Trey Burke has done it. Hopefully Chris Dunn will do it where it revives their career. You know, it shows that, hey, they can still play at a super high level and they can still contribute to an NBA team. Um, but the Jeremy Lin story, too, is one that doesn't get talked about enough because people don't realize that it was only weeks before Lynn Sandy began that he was in the G League, you know? He was with the yeah. Big Horns, and then he played one game for the Erie Bayhawks, and then that one game with the Bayhawks, he had a triple-double. And then he joins the Knicks and wasn't playing in the beginning, and then all of a sudden, Lynn Sandy begins. And I think that's the part that didn't get talked about enough, because everyone talked about how he was, like, living on Landry Fields' couch, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Couch, and, you know, he... He yeah. came from Harvard. They didn't even talk about the G League aspect of it, which was crazy to me. But back then, also, the G League had very little credibility. It was like 2012, 2011 or so. Yeah. So the G League, I mean, it's still gaining credibility right now. But back 10 years ago, it, it basically had zero, right? So that's part of the story that really gets cut out was that he was in the G League only weeks before Lin Saney took off. Yeah. And like you said, I can definitely say, you know, just looking at year with all the call-ups and stuff, it's definitely getting more notoriety. Something for sure, for sure. And, and, and as you watch the game, it's just great to see. It's great to see the guys come in and just succeed. Like they're not yeah. coming in just to be guys on a fill-out roster spots. Guys are coming in and playing and stuff. Like even on teams, like I, I watched um, Deron Sharp. I think from the Nets. Yeah, yeah, Darren Sharp. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. he actually he actually came up and played. Like they didn't bring yeah. him up to sit, you know, to sit. They brought him up for to sure, play. for sure. And you know, the crazy thing about the Nets this year was that I looked at Daron Sharp, I looked at Kessler Edwards and Ken, yeah. Ken Thomas, and I was like, these guys are going to get uh, splinters on their behind, yeah. warming the bench all year, right? I was like, there's no way they're really going to get serious minutes. You know, uh, you have Nick Claxton, you have KD, you have Kyrie, right? Mm -hmm. um, and James Harden, right? And so you have all these stars or rising stars. And then mm -hmm. they even had like Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin, right? And I was yeah. like, oh, they're going to get some playing time too. And then Patty Mills, right? And so I was like, yeah, these rookies are not going to play at all. Yeah. But just because their year has been so unique, 
they've gotten good minutes. I mean, Cam Thomas has multiple 20-point games in, yeah. the, in the NBA. He, he only played two games with the Long Island Nets, and I think in any other situation, he would have played more than two games with Long Island. But yep. during those two games, he averaged 40... 40.5 points per game wow. during those two games. And then Kessler Edwards has played really well. Yeah. Aaron Sharp has played really well. And then you're right, they've gotten good minutes this year in the NBA, which is yeah. something I would have not expected at all for a team like the Nets. Yeah, I wouldn't expect expected those guys to. I didn't even, like you said, I wouldn't even expect them to be up there. Cam Thomas, if, if like Joe Harris and these guys were healthy, he might not have even came up. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, he was summer league MVP, but every summer league MVP except for like Damian Lillard ends up in the G League somehow, you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll probably see Cam Thomas for like half a season in the G League. You know, I wasn't expecting it to only be two games. I wish it was more because he's another guy that has such a, a strong fan base. That's the thing that's made the G League big too is that a lot of these guys come from colleges where they were stars, right? Yeah. And so they bring the college fan base with them to the G League. You know, when Kyle Guy was playing for the Stockton oh, Kings yeah. a couple of years ago and then this year with the Cleveland Charge, whenever, you know, you'd see something about him having 20, 25 points, 30 points, all the UVA fans would all share his stuff, right? They'd all be tuned in to watch the Cleveland Charge play because of one guy, you know? And so that's another thing that's made the G League blow up a little bit is the fact that, you know, a lot of big-name college players have played in it, and they're bringing their fan bases with them. Yeah, that's, that's really yeah, good. makes sense. That's definitely good. Because, yeah, you it's, it's, I would tell you this year alone is really, like, really was in, like, a prominent thing. You should see so much more, so much more of it. And I was him again, like, you know, geographically being in the, like the New York, New Jersey area, I watched the games, you know, watched the Westchester Knicks or the Long Island Nets and stuff like that. Like you said, might watch the Delaware game and stuff yeah. like that. So you, you see a lot of stuff with that geographically. Right, and then, right. Like you said, in these smaller arenas and stuff, it seems like everything's more family friendly, more quaint and, and stuff like that. I think I think you know what I think looking at the game itself or something I think it's it's important to still have that aspect of it because like you said those bigger arenas the personalization part is not there and yeah Yeah. to some extent to get to see these guys a lot of these guys you've probably seen so many guys before they became these other guys oh (laughs) so my favorite story and on my Instagram it's somewhere buried you know from years ago back in like 2016 but I have a picture of myself and Christian Wood. Before okay. Christian Wood, you know, really blew up in the NBA, he was playing for the 87ers at the time. And after the game, I actually have a few pictures with him, but the one I posted is like me and him under the basket after one of their games. And he was a nobody back then, right? Yeah. Um, I think at the time he was playing for the Sixers and he wasn't getting any run, right? Because at the time, Jaleel Okafor was like their star, right? Yeah. Or their rising star, even though they sucked that year. And, you know, Christian Wood was kind of like, getting bench splinters and people didn't really know what to expect from him. He wasn't as developed as he is now. He couldn't hit the three-point shot like he does now. Um, He didn't have the handle that he has now, right? But he was 6'10", could jump out the building, right? Had all the length in the world, defended the rim well, right? And so I was like, yeah, this guy's gonna be like pretty good, you know? Just give him like three years or so, he's gonna be pretty good. But every year he kept coming back to the G League, every year. Like he would come back, come back. And I was like, this is probably gonna be his last year in the G League. And then he'd come back the next year because he <laughs> didn't get the shot in the NBA. And then eventually, you know, he gets that um, role with the Pistons. Well, it started with the Pelicans first. And then he plays really well with the Pistons, earns like a $50 million deal with the Rockets. And now he's one of their core pieces. I don't know if he's there to stay long-term, but he's gotten some really good money in the mix. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a picture with him back when he was in the G League, and this was maybe like six years ago, and it's probably one of my prized possessions. Wow. Yeah, I've seen instances now where some guys that are like on the end of the bench have actually like asked to go play in the G League just yes. to get, get those minutes. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. And the biggest one was Dennis Smith Jr. last year, right? Yes. And it's crazy wow. too, because you know, Dennis Smith Jr. was a top 10 pick. Right, yeah. this guy was a top 10 pick. He was a, you know, a top 10 player coming out of high school. He was McDonald's All-American. He was a star at NC State. And then all of a sudden, you know, he played decently well in Dallas, right? Yeah. And then wasn't getting any minutes in New York and was like, you know, I'm riding the pine. I might as well get my feet wet in the G League and actually stay ready, right? Yeah. And he was going to play in the G League bubble last year. And then he was traded to the Pistons, right? And so I was so blown when he got traded to the Pistons because I was 
very excited to see him play for the Westchester Knicks, right? It just didn't happen. But he is another guy that would have just set the G League on fire. I mean, you know, the way that he dunks and his athleticism, they don't have the rim protectors in the G League like they do in the NBA, right? So he, I mean, catching some serious bodies in the G League that he played last year. So that was disappointing when they ended up trading for him. But it was it worked out well for him, and now he's in a better spot. There's, I know there's a guy, I don't know why I don't remember his name. He's on the Cavaliers, a guard that's on the bench that he's like a high flyer that I remember seeing him was him just get, have all types of dunks in the G League. A high flyer on the Cavaliers? He's on the Cavaliers now? I think he is. A, a guard. Um, let me look it up. Hold on. Yeah. Give me a second. Cavs roster. Um... Is it uh, Steve? Is his last name Stevens or? Yeah, I think it is Stevens. Are you talking about Lamar Stevens? Yeah. Oh, Lamar, Lamar. Oh, um, but yeah. Well, the thing is that. Well, yeah, yeah. Lamar's good. Um, there's um, on the, I'm looking at the Cavs roster right now. There's a ton of guys on here who are just have just been balling this year in the G League. I mean, there's uh, R.J. Nemhard, Dean yeah. Wade, G League for a number of years. Brandon Goodwin is in the was in the G League up until yeah, um, but yeah, I mean the, the I mean and the Cavs are doing pretty well. Oh, Dylan Windler as well. Dylan Windler just had a 25 point and 16 rebound game in the G League. So yeah, I mean they the actually the the um, Cleveland Charge use their G League system well. You know, That's I mean they're one of the teams that use their G League system well. They call guys up from the G League to the NBA. There's a ton that don't right. There's a ton that don't use it very well. Um, yeah. The Raptors are one that use it really well. The Mavericks too, the Spurs, the Rockets, of course, right? And so the the Cavaliers are definitely in that mix too. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I think they have it, but does every NBA team have their own G League team? I think it might only be like two or three that does in this. Yeah, there's two that don't right now. So it's the Portland Trailblazers who have never had their own G League team, and then there's the Suns who did have their own G League team, the Northern Arizona Suns. But in 2020, they disbanded the team because they weren't using it very much, right? And so um, Robert Sarver was just like, you know, I might as well just save these millions and invest it somewhere else rather than have the police. And, you know, it's crazy because I was like, oh, that's so stupid, right? That's so stupid because they could develop a guy in the G League with Northern Arizona, have them get called up to the Suns and have them play well. But it's worked out fine for them, you know, at least at least right now in the short term. It's pretty good for them the last two years, you know, so. You know, maybe you know. Uh, it just depends on what, on what management wants, right? A lot of, a lot of teams are just like in win now mode, right? And the ones yeah. that are in win now mode are not going to utilize their G League system very much. Whereas there's a lot of other teams who are looking to develop players, are looking to maybe rebuild, right? And those are the ones that are actively calling guys up and down from the G League. Yeah, because I look at like um, the which I watch a lot of the Spurs, they kind of like Popovich in the way they play and. Primo and Wisdom Camp and all. Primo's up and down all the time. Yeah, yeah Primo all the time, all the time. Yeah. And, and actually, Joe just got um, signed to a standard deal. Yeah, I seen that. He was on a two. Actually, hold on, I got a picture. Of... And I think Kaycock too. Yeah, Kaycock as well. So this is this is actually a picture. Can you guys see that? Yeah, that's yeah. me and Joe Wisecamp from uh, the G League Showcase. And nice. so. Um, you know, I got to meet him, and he was, like, super friendly and stuff like that. And uh, But, yeah, he and Devontae Kaycock just got signed to standard deals. And then they just signed um, they just signed Robert Woodard to a two-way in order to replace him. Mm-hmm. Nice. But, yeah, you know, seeing these guys, I mean, like, Devontae Kaycock was a guy that was on the Lakers championship team back in 2020. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and now he's he was – playing his mind off this year in the G League. He was leading the league in rebounding. He had like like 16 straight double-doubles or something crazy like that. You know, he's undersized power forward, but he's a workhorse on the boards, you know? And so I'm happy for guys like that when, you know, they grinded in the G League for a number of years and they finally get rewarded like that. Yeah. Now, have you seen stories of the flip side where guys go through that grind and they seem to be playing extremely well and it, that yep. all yep. just never comes? That's the hard part, you know, and and... A lot of it has happened this season, to tell you the truth. You know, this season, I always said, was the best time to be a G-Leaguer, and it was the worst time to be a G-Leaguer. The best time because over 100 guys have gotten the call-up, right? So over 100 guys have gotten able to live out their dream. Yeah. But I always said, you know, there's a lot of guys in the G-League this year who were probably on the cusp of a call-up and deserving of, of one, and a lot of guys who have been in the G-League, you know, three, four, five, six years, 
and they thought this is my perfect opportunity to get my first call up and it never came right and i always wonder what that does to like the psyche of a player you know um in the g league it's weird because like of course you can be like friends with your teammates and have a close relationship and stuff like that but at the end of the day and this is just sports in general but in the g league you're all competing for like a certain number of spots in the nba right so of course you can be happy for your teammate getting called up but there has to be a little bit of I don't know if resentment is the right word, but, uh, you know, everyone's looking for their one chance, right? Yeah. And to see, like, a guy that you think is you're better than or a guy who you think, like, you're on par with get called yeah. up and you don't get that call up after spending years in the G League, it certainly hurts. And so one is that's my favorite is this guy named Raphael Putney. And so Raphael Putney was 6'10". He, you know, he was jumping out the building. He's the all-time leader in blocks in the G League. And he played, like, four years in the G League. For whatever reason, you know, he was putting up you know, every year he was putting up near double doubles. Um, he was getting like three blocks a game. For whatever reason, he never got the call up. And um, and you know, now he's playing overseas in Israel. But he was a guy that was like, you know, every year I'd watch him, I'd be like, you know, he's a guy who could contribute at the NBA level. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And you know, I'm sure that there's there's stuff that I don't know that factors into it as well. You know, um, that the public doesn't know. And I'm not talking about with plenty. I'm just talking about with with players in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we never know um how a player is like behind the scenes is he a good teammate right yeah um is he on time for practice you know what i mean does he yeah. um treat the staff with respect you know what i'm saying like there's certainly more than just the game that these scouts and these executives are looking at and so yeah. all of it factors in because when you're bringing a guy in for 10 days or you know uh, a two-way or whatever you want to make sure that these guys who are going to be the 13th 14th and 15th man off your bench are not causing any any problems right so I couldn't imagine like being, you know, a headache of a team, but also being the 14th man off the bench, right? And so like, you want to make sure that all checks, uh, I'm sorry, like you're, you're crossing all checks and stuff like that. And that um, the people that you are signing are great people, great teammates, and also good players too. I wonder how much of that uh, impacts the game in terms of, like you said, everybody's, I guess, sort of in competition with each other. So is it, uh, do you think it impacts the game in any way where there's not necessarily that team? Uh... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, just in, from just from like when I first started following the G League, when I first started following in 2015, it was two to three passes per offensive possession and a shot, right? Because everyone was trying to get their own. You know, now it's slowed down and teams are more like, um, players are more team oriented but as, especially like following it in those early days you know they were like hey listen I'm getting mine as long as I get mine we're good right I'm getting <laughs> if I'm averaging 20 I'm getting my 20 you know nowadays <laughs> I don't see it as much like you know there are some really really great, great floor generals out there in the G League who run an offense to perfection they probably could be NBA floor generals to some extent as well right but yeah back in the day it was just like it was five players on a court trying to hog one shot, you know what I mean? One shot every possession. And it was sometimes hard to watch, tell you the oh, truth. Uh, everybody's because, gonna get the numbers. Yeah, at one point, at one point, you know, when I was working for UMBC basketball and I was, you know, growing up and I was uh, in high school working for the minor league teams, I was like, maybe I'll be uh, like an assistant coach or something like that. And I, and I used to coach high school basketball. So I was like, maybe I'll, you know, I wanna be like an assistant somewhere or whatever. So when I was watching it, Grow, you know, as I was uh, getting into the G League, I was like, man, this is not even like a team-oriented brand of basketball that I would that I would like want my team to run. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wouldn't want my team if I was a coach somewhere to be playing like this, where every yeah. they're just playing hot potato with the ball essentially, and you know, the first person who gets it takes the shot, right? Um, but it's certainly changed, like I said. And then you know, these guys are still in competition with each other, but I think that they realize like, hey, scouts are not only looking for numbers, they're looking to see how we fit into a team-oriented game. Yeah. Yeah, because odds are, if you make the big leagues, you're certainly not gonna come up and- Yeah, you know, yeah that's right, one that's right. That's right, and so, that's the thing that I think a lot of fans don't understand about the G League, right? Is that, um, you know, the guys who are averaging 25 points per game sometimes in the G League, are not the guys who end up being successful in the NBA, right? Because they're coming from a situation in the G League where they get 20 shots a game, right? Then they go to the NBA and they'd be lucky that they got two, right? They'd be lucky if they got two shots, let alone two minutes sometimes, right? 
So the roles change so much and it's a hard adjustment where, you know, you're used to getting the ball every single possession and then now you're basically the last guy that would get the ball in a possession, right? And the guys that do end up succeeding a lot are the guys who are the role players, you know? Um, the guys who are the role players that you know, maybe get 10, 10 shots a game, right? Yeah. Uh, they know their role. They know that, you know, they're supposed to shoot when open, but they're not demanding touches or anything of that mm-hmm. nature. Um, and so a lot of times, like I was saying, those guys are the ones that make the NBA, not the superstars putting up 25, 30 points. Example was Antonio Blakeney, right? Yeah. Antonio Blakeney, I don't think, could ever just not be just strictly an offensive streaky shooter, right? Um, and he couldn't adjust his game to fit other types of molds on, on different teams around different rotations. And so because of that, he's playing. I don't know if he's actually even playing right now, but um, I know he's trying to get back into the NBA and he was in the G League last year. Uh, but I think that's what, what's hurt him and what hurts a lot of these guys that put up crazy numbers. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I just got one last question for you, Jeff. Sure. Tell us why everybody should go out and become a G League fan, watch the G League, and support the G League. You know, I would say this. If you are a kid or if you're a parent and you have a kid who loves basketball, you need to take them to the G League game because if for $25 at an NBA game, you will be sitting in the absolute last <laughs> row right and you can't buy anything else for $25 at a G League game you might be able to get close to three tickets or maybe two tickets and a couple hot dogs right and then after the game at an NBA game you know what do you do you just leave right you're not going to get anywhere close to a player right if you wait around at a G League game you're going to be able to take pictures with any single player there if you're a kid you can ask for any autograph right and the players are super friendly and super engaging and so if you're a kid or if you're a parent from that aspect you should be a G League fan if you're just a regular basketball fan in general, you should be a G League fan because the players that are in the G League more than ever are going to be guys who are impacting games at the NBA level, right? So we may not see it now, right? It might take these guys two, three years to really develop, maybe even longer like a Christian would. But in due time, these are guys who are going to be impacting NBA teams um, and you know maybe not averaging 20, but they'll be key rotational pieces on championship teams or championship caliber teams, and they'll be guys that are impacting game on both sides of the ball. So like, you know, if you're an NBA fan, you should follow the G League because these are guys who are going to be on your favorite team in like two, three years. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. We took the Jeffrey Sosa G League G League TV. We appreciate the time. It was great talking to you, and we. Learn so much more, so much more about the league, man. And you seem to have so much energy and a great basketball enthusiast. We appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff.